Welcome to What's Up in Jeju, where I visit places around the island and talk about what's happening with Hashtag Daily K's host, Peter Bint. Uh, so Angel, where are you taking us today? So if you recall, Peter, and maybe some of our listeners too, uh, several weeks back, I interviewed a couple people from the uh, JDC headquarters. And one of the ladies mm-hmm. that I interviewed, she her job uh, for the end of this year, like her main kind of task and project was the Young Leaders Forum. Ah. Yeah, and then... Did we talk about that before? Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the YLF and how it covers like three Uh different uh, topics, employment, peace, and environment. Yeah. And so I was able to go to the Young Leaders Forum because it was held just this past week. So I was really excited about about that. Oh, so it actually happened because when we were talking about it, I think we were talking about, you know, a past edition had occurred and a future edition was going to happen. But the main event has been and gone. Yes, it happened just this past week, December 5th and 6th. It was the second annual Young Leaders Forum 2022 sponsored by JDC, the Jeju Free International City Development Center. Mm. Some cooperating organizations included... Uh, But not limited to UN Habitat, the St. Gallen Symposium, uh, UNESCO. Wow. Yeah. And and, and again, what was it about and what categories was it separated into? Right. So it's basically a platform for the next generation of leaders to learn about and discuss youth and employment, peace and environment. And we will be talking about each of those in three separate parts today. I wonder if they did it in those three sections just so it fits nicely on what's up in Jeju. Probably. I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just playing along with me. Thank you, Angel. Uh, so part one, what are we going to tackle? So we're going to talk about the environment first. And I w- when I first got to the forum, there was like in front of the conference halls, there were these booths mm-hmm. set up. And I do have an image of the okay, booth area. Okay, we'll put that on the screen. So this booth area was set up by the Green City Ambassadors and uh, mm-hmm. basically was to showcase the work that they've been doing and to bring awareness to it. It's a project, the GCA was a project that started back in August 2021. And it was a, it's a collaboration between JDC and UN Habitat Korea. Uh, and the reason why they launched it was to create and advocate sustainable green cities. They look like they're made out of cardboard, yeah. the booths themselves. Yeah, 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 they are. And I thought that was really uh, cute and cool. Uh, I do believe it was recyclable yeah. materials that it w- they were made out of, all cardboard and all reusable. Lovely, yeah. You could just dispose of that in the Cheoaryong Seregi, like yeah. in your apartment or something, yeah. in the recycling area. <laughs> So the booths were, uh, there were four separate booths. Two were campaign booths, and they were um, they were campaigning for behavioral changes that, you know, the everyday person could adopt to help fight climate change. And then the other two mm-hmm. booths were research booths where, uh, so the GCA, they were recently focusing on the problem of rising sea levels and how it affects uh-huh. the world and Korea and Jeju. We are an island, so it would definitely affect us. Mm. Uh, and so they were kind of uh, showing their research. Oh, that is really important. Definitely, like you said, on Jeju, which is an island, all islands kind of are really fearful of that because it could have such right. a huge impact. You also did an interview there. Angel. I did. I did. I was able to meet this really nice guy, a uh, nice young man, a uh, representative of GCA. And thankfully, he spoke English. So I was able to uh, interview him in English. But just a little bit about him. He has Lovely. a really interesting story. 
Uh, he was raised in Jeju, uh, but his dream was to be a civil engineer. And he was he's always had a heart for or had um, a mind for volunteer work and volunteerism and activism. Oh, lovely. So every summer he would go on a volunteer trip uh, to Ghana. And he, befriend, he ended up befriending a young boy and they grew really, really close. But he eventually heard news that the young boy's home was destroyed by rain and flooding. Basically, climate change, right? Oh, no. Yeah, and so uh, oh, wow. he began really seriously thinking about climate change and how it affects the world, but how it affects real li- real people, you know? It affects real people. Mm. Um, and he decided that the biggest thing he could do at this point in his life is to raise awareness, so he decided to sign on to join the Green City Ambassadors Project. Oh, what an interesting story. And going to Ghana on volunteer trips regularly, that's yeah. not a common thing, right? right? For, yeah. For anyone to do, let alone here in Korea. So, so what did you ask him? I asked him a two-part question. The first question was, what are some real-life ways that we or anybody can become a part of the change to a fight in climate change? And then the second question was, what governments have been doing to combat climate change? Let's take a listen. So what general people can do is just start with some daily things, you know, like don't use plastics, just use a tumbler. Because when people think about like climate crisis, like what can we do about it? That's what most people think, right? It's something that like government and like all those big organizations should handle. It's not, it's not on our business and what people think. But like a little change that we make in our daily life can actually change a lot of things. So I'll say like, that's pretty much the only solution that the general people can do about the climate crisis. And, uh, government-wise, well, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Quite a lot we can talk about. So I'll say mostly in like Europe or something, when they're talking about like the developed city, the cities that are already fully developed and there's like no more space to actually do something, what they do is they, uh, they fix the structure of the city, they develop the public transportation infrastructure and more infrastructure for bicycles use. And they also like don't let the cars speed up more than like 25 miles per hour. So what people would start to think is like, it actually might be faster to use a public transportation instead of using the cars. So he was talking about uh, what what anybody can do to help combat climate change and global warming. He mentioned using reusable cups, bottles, straws, reducing waste, mm-hmm. less plastic, uh, kind of like the common sense things. And one of the things he said was really interesting to me was um, how a lot of people think that it is an issue or a problem that's for governments to handle on a bigger mm. scale. But there are definitely things that we can do in our everyday lives to to help. And one less plastic cup in the landfills is going to help. You're right. The smallest, tiny things. I think governments have a huge role to play, of course. But we shouldn't just think, oh, let's leave it to them and everything will be okay. What comes next? All right. So the second topic that we're going to talk about is peace, youth and peace. Uh, they they had several okay. sessions on this topic. And one of the sessions that I attended is the one I want to talk about here. Um, and it had three speakers from around the world who uh, created, co-created, or were involved with organizations, social organizations uh, that were working towards impacting their communities and bringing peace. So the first one oh. is a uh, an initiative in Colombia, based out of Colombia, 
And the founder came on to talk about her organization called Pasparamambru. Sorry for if I didn't pronounce that right. I I tried. Sounding uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but it does it does mean a peace for Mambru. And what it does is uh-huh. it offers practical tools to caregivers and educators to use in an educational setting, so in a formal educational setting for specifically early childhood. And it promotes what they call peace education, uh, which includes interpersonal Mm. skills and uh, puts a high value on peaceful coexistence, like living together. You and I could be completely different, uh, but we can live together in harmony. (laughs) We don't have to fight. Yeah, I guess in many developed countries and even here in Korea, despite having our northern neighbors, We take that for granted, like living in a peaceful Mm. society. But in many places like conflict zones, that's maybe not the mindset that you're brought up with. So the second organization is called GC4U. The for you means like basically for you. And then the GC stands for Uh Global Citizenship Education. This organization was based out of Myanmar. But the term global Mm. citizenship education is, I had no idea what it was. I had to look it up. But... What it said? No, I've not heard that. Yeah, on the UNESCO website, it's defined as global citizenship education aims to empower learners of all ages to assume active roles both locally and globally in building more peaceful, tolerant, inclusive, and secure societies. So it's very generic the term, but it's basically uh, mm. an initiative that aims to uh, kind of teach about how to live together. Yeah, to take responsibility. Again, like the environment thing, we don't just live passively in these societies, Mm -hmm. right? We can have an impact and an influence like the other way around, for sure. Mm, Right. And the third uh, organization was based out of Nigeria. It's called the Identity Project. And they identify as a social enterprise organization led completely by young people. Um, And they, they, what they do is they channel media as one of their major tools to tell real stories. They're all about telling real-life stories. Uh, for example, they have this whole uh, story about how they, um, how two older men now, but back in the day when they were younger, they believed in different religions. So one man was Muslim mm. and one man was Christian. Now the man is a pastor, uh, but they became friends and they were able to work together and created a business together, which is uh, highly, highly successful. Oh, showing those real life stories, I'm sure, can inspire other people as well. Right. I thought it was really beautiful that the, the way that they curate the stories to, uh, to pro- promote positivity was really, really beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. And so you've got another video for us as well, Angel. I do. So the three organizations, they were all about education or educating and using education as a tool to bring about change, whether it is an ac- in an actual educational setting like a classroom or educating the public, uh, bringing awareness. And one of the panelists um, at the end, he summed it up really beautifully. And I wanted to share share that with you guys. Let's take a look. When it comes to education, I think that many of us still believe that, you know, we learn the knowledge and skills in the classroom settings only. But as you have witnessed today, the, our youth actors as a change makers, they have been contributing greatly to the, uh, to the transformation of education uh, through their local, regional, uh, inter-regional activities. So we can witness that you know, education actually can happen elsewhere, including informal, 
non-formal education settings as well. And it gives us really valuable lesson. That is that education is not a rigid thing. It's about how we shape and how we transform, how we adopt our collective values and cultural diversities in addition to how we perceive the world. So mm, beautiful. Yeah, very mm. interesting. Yeah, so basically talk don't need to go to school is that the message <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe for some people yeah but <laughs> education in both formal and informal ways right and not being rigid about it not mm. being super traditional you can be traditional or you can be non-traditional um just really really beautiful i, I thought yeah it, it's so true you know schools are literally factories of education which we've mm. made and shaped but you know, for thousands of years before that, the way you learn is through experience in right. the real world. Uh, right. And that's how the animal kingdom does it as well. So we could definitely do well to pay attention to that kind of learning as well outside the classroom. Right, absolutely. We're turning our, our focus now to employment, which I guess for many people, especially young people around the world, is something they really do need to stress mm. about because you need to earn a living after all. Uh, so moving on to that kind of pressing need for many people who are young and, and looking for work, employment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to highlight one of the employment sessions that I attended because I just thought it was really, really practical. And the entire time I was thinking to myself I, that I wish I had something like this when I was younger, maybe in college <laughs> or earlier because um, it was just so practical because it brought to light a few of the different growing industries today that young people can look into mm. when thinking about jobs and career. This particular session was hosted by Julian Quintart, who, if you're not familiar, he's a, a, he's a celebrity in Korea, but he's from Belgium. So right off the bat, mm, yeah. you get the sense where you're kind of encouraged to think outside the box, right? So the session uh, included three panelists from three different industries. Uh, the first uh, panelist was involved in the metaverse. And when you think metaverse, right, what do you think of, Peter, when you think of metaverse? We, we have our Arirang metaverse, right? Do where we? you can come and kind of visit, visit, yeah, visit the news studio and stuff like that. And there's some stuff that we do on the radio side where you can interact with avatars mm. and stuff. But to be honest, I'm not, I haven't got immersed into it. I'm kind of thinking of that novel and movie mm. Ready Player One yeah. where you kind yeah. of lose yourself yeah. in that second life. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm kind of sticking with the real world for now. <laughs> right. And I'm kind of on the same, on the same line with you. Um, but I am interested and I am open to it. And it was really interesting to hear mm. what she was saying. So when I think of metaverse, it's just really complicated. It's too, a too much AI, yeah. too much technology. <laughs> uh -huh. And, but what she does is she's a metaverse item creator. So she works on Creating the metaverse items. for avatars. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she works on the Metaverse platform, but she is a creator and she creates 3D uh, clothing and accessories for avatars. So other people make maps, other people make avatars, but her thing is clothing because she's always been into fashion. And so she wow. creates these 3D pieces of clothing and accessories and then she has her own brand. And so she sells it on the platform. Oh. That's so cool. I guess that could translate to real life as well. If people really mm. like those clothes on their avatars, they might actually want to buy a real physical piece. Yeah, That's kind of yeah. cool, isn't it? Really cool. 
Uh, the second lady was a webtoonist. And we, we all know what webtoons mm-hmm. are in Korea. But when I talked to a friend from yeah. the States, they had no idea what it was. And I was like, wow, I guess this is like a Korean thing? I don't know. Yeah, because it sounds like English and, you know, webtoon. But I've heard as well, it's much bigger here than anywhere else, right? Yeah. Like an online comic, you might describe it as. Right. And there it existed back in the day uh, before smartphones. But with the introduction of smartphones, there was a huge increase in popularity. And it's a really big mm. growing industry. The third yeah. panelist, he is in the drone industry. I didn't know that drones had their own industry, <laughs> so it was a, truly a learning experience for me. You know, Angel, I don't know about your kids, but like at my kids' school, there's an after-school class for drones, kind of wow. forward-thinking and imagining that there's going to be many opportunities for that. Yeah. And we talked about on the show, they're trying to develop... I believe, drone transport for humans mm-hmm. for Incheon Airport to Yoido by 2025 or something, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. To fly you around. Right? When I heard of that, I was like, I'm just going to let it ride out for a few years <laughs> before I try it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Those industries, though, really good. Yeah, really yeah. future thinking right so he's involved in the entire aerial robotics technology what he's talking about was the that there are huge opportunities in this industry because he's constantly hiring people constantly because Mm. what we when we think of drones i think of the little toy drones right or like taxi drones what we hear in the news but he says drones are now used Mm. for agriculture um they're used for logistics or like delivery They're used in the film industry, Mm. in entertainment, and in any way that they're used, there's multiple, there's like huge teams of people needed to be hired in order to, to, you know, do these things. Sure, to not only just pilot them and film stuff Mm -hmm. from their cameras, but to like, I guess, invent them and maintain them and all sorts, right? Right, right. So you you got another video for us. I do. Um, He was talking about something really interesting. He was talking about the fourth industrial revolution and how the drone industry is a part of that. All right, let's take a listen. Right, so he was talking Mm. about how uh, up to recently we've been in the third industrial revolution phase or era, um, but now we're hitting the fourth. And what that is, I had to look it up. It's basically the entire metaverse and artificial intelligence and advanced robotics and augmented reality, all, all that stuff, kind of blurring real life yeah. and technology. To push humans to the side, we're not going to be needed anymore, Angel, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary if you think about it too uh, deeply. Yeah, but for the younger generation, you know, I'm all for this. And, mm. and lots of parents in Korea, you know, we're concentrated on getting our kids into the good university, still thinking about doctor, judge, lawyer, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm totally the opposite. And so I get a lot of backlash from parents saying, you know, you're going to mm. regret this when your <laughs> kid grows up and says, why didn't you send me to a hug one or something? But I'm like, no. 
in the future, I guess we're not going to even be working mm-hmm. in any of those fields. We'll just be all robots and we'll be enjoying life. So let's just sit back and enjoy it. Mm. If I'm wrong, uh-oh, but fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> What's Up in Jeju is supported by JDC, which is creating a free international city that resembles nature, embraces the future, and reaches the world. Arirang Radio.